You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 123, covering Chain of Command, Part 2, and Ship in a Bottle, with Kimberly Lajeunesse. Friends, it's time for the show. Hi, also. I have invited a new person, well, new this season, I guess. Kim, did we skip you last year, last season? Yep. How did that happen? I had school. Oh, yes. You're like Q, like you're supposed to be here every season and you skipped one. Doesn't that mean she needs to be here twice now? Yes, you, you should be here to talk to Matt about when he got stabbed. Well, That'll be an exciting time for all of us. <laughs> Matt, what about that time you got stabbed? That was a weird day. Wasn't it? Yeah. Did you laugh about it? Probably. All right. Well, I, we're, we're spoiling things. That was a different find time. I that sort of thing funny. That was a different time where Picard got hurt badly. We're here to talk about another different time where that happened. Yeah. And that time is Chain of Command, Part 2, a.k.a. Four Lights. Kim, why don't you tell us about Four Lights, which is a much better title. A.K.A. Picard's Bottom. Yes. (laughs) We open the scene on a game of one-sided truth or truth, (laughs) and everyone everyone watching is really sad because it looks like Captain Picard is in big trouble. Don't worry, he is. (laughs) Everyone on the ship is also really sad because Captain Picard is in trouble. Oh, wait, no, that's just Commander Riker. The Cardassians are totally winning the battle against Captain Jellyfish over who has the most Picards. <laughs> Back in a really great porno, a naughty old Cardassian called Mean Guy uses a wicked-looking knife to cut off Picard's ninja suit. This is bad, because Picard is, like, pretty sad and scared and stuff, but on the bright side, I get to see his bum. Bummy, bummy, bum. <laughs> we learn of a mythical land called Minos Korva. Apparently, the reason Captain Picard has been capnapped is so the Cardassians can find out all the Federation's defense plans for the fabled Minos Korva. It's really too bad that Picard doesn't know anything about that. Riker throws a yelly tantrum about not being able to go on a rescue mission to save Dad. I mean, Captain Picard. So Captain Jellybean sends him to his room to think about what he'd done. Picard has provided a set of chest-exposing, thigh-bearing jimmy jams just like the ones he wears at home. Except these ones are probably made with scratchy fabric. Mean Cardassian gentleman torturer uses lots of nasty torture techniques, such as a button that casts the Cruciatus curse, <laughs> eat a gross food, meet my daughter, and say things that are not true. This stuff makes Picard super upset. So upset that he does a little flute solo. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> I mean, he sings a little French song. That's better. Captain Jellybean runs around trying to make friends with everyone he pissed off in the last episode. He does this by calling everyone by their first names because he's better than them and they should know their place. <laughs> by the time by this time, Picard looks like a sad sack of crap, but he still won't lie about how many dang lights there is. The Cardassian meanie spins us a sad tale of his childhood as a Dickensian urchin plucking an egg from a nest and being bullied by the older kids. Picard takes this opportunity to illustrate how much of a fucking badass he is by intimidating his torturer so much that Mean Guy completely flips his shit and starts zapping him with his torture button. Captain Jelly Jiggles has a bonding moment with Geordi, and they talk about their new plan of finding the Cardassians skulking about in a gross nebula and planting bombs on their ships. It turns out our hero, Willful Bill, nails the Riker, <laughs> the only one on board who can do the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. So Captain Jello Mold goes down to Bill's quarters to most humbly ask if Riker would maybe possibly consider helping out the team. 
After they have a brief insult festival, Riker agrees and provides him, provides him with the most self-satisfied, smarmy smirk what has ever graced a face in the entire known universe. Captain Jellicoe Katz rings up the Cardassians and gives them a talking to. They sass back, and Worf is very excited to blow some shit the fuck up. But they back down before Worf gets to explode anything else, and they promise to return the, their Picard in mint inbox condition. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mean Guy is informed that he has to return the, his Picard toy to the kid that he borrowed it from, but instead of doing that, he tries one last time to trick him into lying about the friggin' lights. What a cunt. <laughs> Picard screams in his face, and Meanie goes off to have a little cry and hug his daughter. Back on board, everyone is glad that Picard is home, even Captain Jelly Donut. Good riddance forever! He has a touching heart-to-heart -heart with Troy, and boy does she look like a real team player in her cool new suit. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, two, two quick points of order, though. Uh, the, the Meanie, yes. his, his name is Gull Meanie, please respect the title. <laughs> Secondly, I have not decided yet... If the said self-satisfied smarmy smirk, first of all, I do not approve of your alliteration, but it's your <laughs> summary. You can do what you like. Is going to be our cover art, or if it's going to be Picard's butt. I haven't decided yet. That's a Matt, tough one. Matt, what do you think? It's, uh, it's definitely half your uh, decision. Can we put a smarmy smirk on Picard's butt? No. <laughs> you got to pick one, because I don't feel like Photoshopping. <laughs> well, we'll decide this later. Yes. This is this is slowing down our discussion. We, we, we'll have a talk uh, after this. A, a lengthy discussion. Yes. About this later. <laughs> this episode, man. This episode this is, is so great. This is a fucking great episode. I cannot remember an episode where when they cut away to the Enterprise, I'm like, get back to the good part. I want to see what's happening on the planet. Yeah, that is so rare. I like that this is also a part two. Yeah, this is, I, I will admit that this is the only time part two actually was better. This is the good part two. I usually say that part two doesn't live up to the promise, and it usually doesn't. No. But on the other hand, part one was more about Jellicoe, and this was more about Picard also. Naked Picard. Yes, naked Picard. <laughs> the best kind of Picard. <clears throat> Sometimes I give him a tarp. <laughs> yeah, but the, f the like the early in the episode, naked Picard is good, but then he starts looking all scraggly and gross because he's being tortured, and he hasn't showered, and his mm. hair's all growing out, and then not quite so good. On the other hand, his scruff is fucking hot. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Yes, but it's torture, Scruff, Matt. Yeah, I know. I'm not into that. <laughs> I don't know, that man. I'm going to explain to you. Sure. Sounds like you're into that. Maybe. Space Cardassian torture porn. Shit's hot. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit hot. The thing we mentioned last week is still true in that this is only the second story to involve the Cardassians, and they are fully, like... Yep. Kim and I were talking about this before. They're villains. They're proper villains. We've had the Romulans sort of skulking around looking menacing, but that's it. We haven't... And of course, the Borg once. Right. But this is the first time we get a proper villain who's really fucking with people, threatening a war. Like, there's... there's this is what the Romulans should have been. Yeah. And, if the Romulans had, did, had done their job, we wouldn't need Cardassians. Right. And the thing is, like I pointed out, I think they were there once or twice last season. They've been... They're gonna be here next week, and I think that's it. Like, they're almost completely gone. Yeah. And now we get the Cardassians, who were much cooler. So much cooler. Yeah, they are. And, and, they and with awesome cooler. makeup. <laughs> they definitely look cooler. But again, this is only the second time. They completely overhauled the makeup from last time, and now it's awesome. Yep. I don't remember the makeup from last time. It's fine. It just, they're, they're a little less gray. They're a little more brown. Mm. Also, they, they had uh, those stupid hats. Uh, were oh, they like the helmets? Hats? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, hit the right. spoons? Right. Yeah. 
Well, and the spoon is the vulnerable part. If you shoot them in the spoon, they start blinking red. Right. <laughs> and then you could just punch them, like, do the low punch. Yeah. And then and their then... pants fall down. Right. <laughs> I was just playing that last night. That's weird. Nice. <laughs> Kim, what's your good thing? Oh, I scrolled away from it because <laughs> I'm bad at things. Also, we're in the same room, and the whole point of, you know, like, recording on separate mics is so we can make eye contact, and you are completely facing away. <laughs> I can't look at people when I'm recording You're things. talking to me. She's fucking standing in the corner Blair Witch style. <laughs> she No, she's facing away and doing comedy like, uh, like Mitch Hedberg style. Ah. <laughs> okay, my good thing is the Cardassians. They're so fucking cool. Yeah. I hate all of their guts so much. And it fills me with joy. And the makeup is so good. The uniforms are super great. And they all look and act like giant smug jerks. They just want to slap the swirls off their faces. It's delightful. A villainous villain. What could be better than that? I just completely stole your thunder. I'm so sorry. I hadn't read your good thing. <laughs> nice one, Al. That's I was okay. referring to a conversation you and I had, like, yesterday or this morning. And I didn't realize you were going to use that. I <laughs> feel bad now. I feel That's shaped. okay. We talked about my good thing even before it was my good thing. Yes. It was it was the conception of your... I helped you conceive your good thing. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds so Doesn't good. that mean you were supposed to do that before? I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I always, you know, I always screw that up. It's like I'm bad at beginnings, I'm bad at endings, and I, I'm bad at middles. I'm bad at everything, really. <laughs> also, segues. <laughs> they are totally hateable. Yeah. Which, the thing is, Romulans sort of look evil and they kind of act evil, but they're not. I don't know. I never really bought them so much as I buy these guys. I mean, they don't really I, do evil, evil things. The Romulans just are just kind of nasty, and they're just bad guys. These guys are like villains who are yeah. doing evil. But you can also see their motives. They're not just evil. Like they're military guys, and the whole backstory we get here, which plays into DS Nine, is that they didn't have, like, their their society was suffering, and the military sort of rescued them, and that's why they are the way they are. They think that's a good way to go yeah well it worked yeah. for them you know if nothing else well that's what i'm saying they're not just straight up evil there's a reason they organize their society like yeah. that is because they couldn't live any other way which is cool like yeah any villain that has a uh, an understandable motivation is that much better yeah that's way better than just ah. well they choose to be evil which is better than just being evil. yeah you know <laughs> well it's not necessarily better it's just more evil it's more believable for us to watch more plausible mm -hmm. right yeah they're, they're not just twisting their um mustaches and that's not just because they don't have mustaches <laughs> although they should they should have no no God, they, no. no they shouldn't that'd be like 60s joker mustache their heads yeah, never paint over exactly their, their faces aren't busy enough <laughs> but let's talk about their faces though i mean that's a there's a terrible transition if i ever heard one uh -huh. no but the guys they cast as cardassians they they've gotten this right from day one which is they have the right look to them yeah. It's like when you take the makeup off, I bet they still look kind of evil. You know yeah, what I mean? they've like, got that sort of like... they got the intense eyes. They I got... don't know about our main bad guy. Oh, David Warner is totally... Oh, like, yeah. He can totally carry that. Yeah. You guys all like know him from school. I don't know who he is. <laughs> he, he was in two other Star Treks. <laughs> yeah. And he's been in a lot of movies that I love. Mm. My favorite movie as a kid, hands down, was Time Bandits, and he was the bad guy in that. Okay. And also, he he's the... uh, Ra's al Ghul in Batman the Animated Series. Yes, he's been in a lot of nerd stuff over the years. He has total nerd cred. Detective. And it might just be stuff that's not on your radar, which is why. Probably But not. I bet if you read his filmography, you would say, oh, yeah, it's that guy. He was in the... He's one of those that guys. Well, he has a lot of makeup on in this episode. And I'm impressed that he's a guy 
pretty much on Patrick Stewart's level, pretty much a distinguished older British actor, and he's totally willing to be Klingon guy, Cardassian guy, like fucking make up me up. Guy and shitty movie guy. Yeah. Well, guy's got to <laughs> eat. And, you, you know, you can't always eat those uh, Cardassian bird egg things. You gotta... al al alas. Yeah. Oh, boy, more Cardassian maggot eggs. <laughs> that was fantastic. I'm not stealing anyone else's good thing, am I? It's not mine. Okay. <laughs> and she's already given hers, and it's not mine. Is it? No. <laughs> Wait, I stole there's, my own good thing. There's a, there's a bit, as Kim talked about in her uh, summary, where he's sort of doing the good cop, bad cop thing by himself. Yeah. Uh -huh. Where he's being nice to him, then he's being mean back and forth. And Picard, it really keeps Picard off balance, which is great. Yep. He's a gentleman torturer. It makes the torture worse. Yes, Because he's totally being polite does. about it. It's and like, he, now I'm being your friend. He tricks him into thinking he's going to release him a couple of times. Yep. It's, it's fantastic. And there's a moment where he offers him breakfast, and he probably hasn't eaten in days. <laughs> and it's this, it's this egg. It's this big egg. And he cracks it open, and you can't really see what's going on with his. And it's got this wriggling thing in it. Picard looks up. He's like... Okay, this is what we're doing, and he just slurps the fucker down. Yep. <laughs> Fuck you, torturer. First of all, I'm hungry. Second of all, you will not intimidate me. I've eaten gach in front of Klingons. And enjoyed it. <laughs> yep. Very fresh. See, I don't think he did enjoy it. I think he just didn't want to appear weak. He could make himself think he enjoyed it. Yeah, and then he would go later and, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> just like he could convince himself there were four lights when he actually didn't think there were, which is awesome. That's the ending. Don't spoil it. Oh, would you, you just said. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that ends, this is the second one, that ends with someone going through a horrible ordeal, and they're sitting down with Troy and having a, a genuine, like, oh my god. And that's what she's there for. I think yep. that's good. But then that's it, and we never hear about it again. Yeah. It's Why like, would you hear about it again? It's a life-changing event. Just like the Borg thing, where we dealt with it in one episode after, and then never again. Mm -hmm. Picard like sure has a bit, had a has had a entire life. busy <laughs> couple of years that he doesn't talk about it all ever. Well, and I, I made a note here. I think Picard ends up being tortured more than O'Brien. I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll have to check when we get to DS9. I'm pretty sure it's way up there if it's not more. Has he, he... been tortured at all yet? Like, has he been tortured on uh, no. on uh, TNG? No. Okay. He was... Um, possessed. Possessed. His wife turned into a kid. Which is pretty torturous. That's but... torturous. No, he married Keiko. There we go. <laughs> Okay, so once, but really it's just ongoing. Yeah, that's but that counts as sort of a, yeah, where is Picard? I don't know. And while the living another life thing wasn't torture, it was still a fucking mind fuck that should have completely messed up his head yeah. forever. Yeah. It's but not it, exactly nope, just torture, back to work. Yeah. And that keeps happening. But I do love that ending. I do love that he's like, like I said, that's what Troy's there for. It's not yeah. just to sense vague pain. It's to say fuck, you've just been through some shit. This is why I'm a counselor. Let's, yeah. let's talk about why it. Why don't you tell me about it? And I like that. <laughs> it's a really good scene, too. It is. Oh, that's and your that's quote. Why, quote. Don't, why, don't we just, uh, why don't we just go right into that? Okay. I, uh... I don't know where to begin. It was... I read your report. What I didn't put in the report was that, at the end, he gave me a choice between a life of comfort or more torture. All I had to do was to say that I could see five lights when, in fact, there were only four. You didn't say it? No. No. 
I was going to. I would have told him anything. Anything at all. But more than that, I believed that I could see five lights. the lovely quote why don't we get get all of your stuff out of the way before al steals it yes <laughs> look I'm, I'm, I'm now i feel bad you thief in the night <laughs> i'm gonna give my good thing in case it's someone else's good thing <laughs> because i remember him from a school <laughs> it's david motherfucking warner yeah like i said though the makeup is good but it's that voice and those eyes he has this intense look about him that just like i said i feel like we've said this before there are not a lot of actors who you can put in a scene direct with with picard and nobody else like it is literally two guys in a room for the vast portion of this episode and he holds his own with one of the best actors we've ever seen in the show or ever yeah it is really great to watch yeah it is <laughs> like two guys in a room could be completely uninteresting yes but the, the way that they they interact with each other because they're they're both like fighting for power the entire time right. and you can see it even when picard's like rolling around on the floor crying yep. He's still not broken. Right. And one of the things Patrick Stewart did, which I thought was cool, is he didn't sort of act tortured in that sort of hacky <laughs> acting. Oh, I'm in pain. Oh. The torture that I'm being. He did some pain. really semi-realistic, <laughs> undignified, like, it looked like he was shitting himself. Yeah. <laughs> Flopping Just around like, like a fish. No, and come on, Troy wouldn't sense pain. He's actually hurting. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, he seems fine to me. Look, that, those pants gave her a lot more, but they didn't fix everything. <laughs> also, by the next episode, she's not wearing them again. So there's that. No, I just, I, I really like that guy. I said it at the beginning, of, or at, in that episode uh, last week, at the end, where he shows up. And that, that voice, seriously, I got little nerd chills. Like, yep. yay! <laughs> It's like if you're watching something and suddenly Bruce Campbell shows up. Yep. Like, hey, that guy. I love or that guy. Nathan Fillion. Or, you know, like one of those omnipresent nerd guys. Yeah. Or, well, just those two, really. Yeah. Or Will Wheaton. No, not uh, Will no. <laughs> Although if Will Wheaton had showed up as the Cardassian torturer, <laughs> that would have been delightful. Oh my god, that would have been awesome. I will look forward to our discussions in this room, Captain. <laughs> I do uh, like... so have you killed anyone lately? <laughs> I yeah, I killed a guy. That's what made me evil. Yep. <laughs> oh my god, Wesley should have been the villain in one of the movies. That would have been awesome. Like he's he's totally getting revenge on his father figure who steered him in the wrong path. And, yep. Uh, oh, and he's man. gonna use his traveler powers. Yep. That would have been great. He's gonna Picard... traveler Picard. <laughs> and then Picard would have to call Q for help because he doesn't have powers of his own. Yep. Okay, we just wrote a better movie than any of the four that they did. Yep. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Henderson, you're high. <laughs> I'll make vice president for this. Also, my, my other good thing. I've been writing two lately, and it's only on the condition that someone else didn't already do it. Which is, I actually don't hate Jellico. He <laughs> really bugged me. I, well, well, hang on. Oh, I will. I know. We're. I'm giving a nice segue here, and you're ruining it, man. I wrote my fucking thesis on this. It's like that segue <laughs> I fell off and nearly broke my foot. <laughs> I'm terrible at segues, I told you. But he, um, I don't know, in the last episode I thought he overplayed his hand. In this one, he's just sort of a rough kind of military guy who's like, all right. Okay, here's the thing I really like. And again, Matt has the incredibly opposite opinion, and you will certainly have your say in a moment. Yes. 
You have, this is longer than, than Kim's or my summary, <laughs> this, this bad thing. I've never seen you write this many words. It's the worst thing. I think he calls directly to our attention the fact that the Enterprise is incredibly unprofessional, that they will risk everything for one guy, that they will break the rules because the ends justify the means. It's basically sort of meta-commentary on the show. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And he comes in as an outside guy, and he's like, no. How do you guys live like... No! Sometimes guys get captured and die. Let's move on. And I, I like that. It's, it's hardcore, but I like that. All right, so you disagree, Matt. Yep. Let's hear it. Give <laughs> it right. to me. Hit me. All right, so I spent the entirety of the last episode trying to figure out my feelings on Captain Jellicoe. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, me, and, me and Amanda were going back and forth, and you were just kind of like, hmm. I was taking it all in. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I knew I didn't like him right away. He's a fundamentally unlikable character, and when Bill sums him up it, in their scene together, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> but it came down to whether or not I thought he was a good captain wartime or not, and the answer is no, I don't think he is. And it's not just because he's stern or a jerk or he makes Troy wear a uniform when she'd rather wear whatever the fuck she wears. <laughs> It's that he doesn't have any interest in his command crew. Like, in his mind, the ship is made up of these tiny little people who he only needs to have a passing interest in and who he doesn't need to think about as long as they do his jo their job. But none of them can do their job without him watching, watching all the time. He fires Bill because Bill has opinions and thinks for himself, and he replaces him with Data. And I love Data, but Data in this episode is basically a yes man. He does whatever he's told. <sighs> I would have loved to have seen an episode where they actually stuck around. We got to see Data's actual personality with Jellicoe, but, you know, there's not time. Mm -hmm. Jellicoe also has this idea of himself as, like, almost like a man of the people. When he's talking to Geordi in the shuttlecraft, all I can think about is that Jellicoe has decided that now is the appropriate time to allow a conversation with the crew. And, you know, Geordi goes along with it because he's fucking Geordi and he's the nicest guy in Star Starfleet. Get Jellicoe search. He flat out says this. He searches the ship for anyone. Anyone who can pilot better than Riker. And when he can't find him, he goes to Riker's quarters and does this whole drop rank thing so he can tear Riker a new one. Because he's so desperate to have Riker uh, say he won't fly the, the shuttle just so he can, just so Jellicoe can, uh, so he can spite Jellicoe and Jellicoe can order him to do it or something. And then when Riker throws it in his face, he's fucking furious, which is awesome. And ignoring all of that, all of that, when he gives the ship back to Picard, he does this little thing where he says, here's your ship back, Jean-Luc, just as you left it. Maybe a little better. Fuck you, Jellico. Fuck you. Okay, first of all, mm. when he when Picard left, uh, Troy wasn't wearing pants. When he came back, she was. So already the ship's better. That's true. But if, still. If if the rest of the ship is exactly the same, he's not wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, did you just call uh, Deanna Troy the ship? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. She's the heart of the team, Kim. Oh, She's barf. the ship. Is that what she is? Well, when, look, when you say this guy's the muscle, this guy's the brains, this guy's the heart, you know the oh, heart God. is the useless one. <laughs> I, okay, first of all, I feel like when he went to uh, Riker's quarters to ask him to pilot, yeah, he didn't want to face him because they have fucking awful relationship and he doesn't want to deal with it, and he relieved Riker of duty. Mm -hmm. He's like, effectively, this guy isn't a candidate. He's, you know, I, I fired him, like so much Henderson. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to find somebody better. Okay, there's nobody better. I am going to suck up my pride because the job needs to be done, and I'm going to go talk to this guy that I hate. I actually admired that. No, I didn't buy that at all. I think He, he should... was getting it out of the way so he could fucking, he'd get Jordan to do it or something. Yeah. I think he's a, he's like, a, he's, essentially he's a villain. Really? Yeah. I don't see it that I way at all. I feel like all of the stuff that he does that appears that it's not that bad is 
very calculated on his part. I agree. So that he definitely gets his way in absolutely everything he does, which is quite villainous. I okay. Let me let me let me put it to you like this. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> Don't explode, Kim. <laughs> oh, you're both gonna explode. I'm gonna blow your mind. No. Here's the thing. I, okay, you don't like him. That's fine. First of all, let's clarify. Do you not like the character in the story, or do you think he's badly written and you wish he wasn't in it? No. I don't think he's badly written. I just think he's a bad guy. He's, yeah. he's a bad guy. No, I think, no, I think he, the, the character is that done fine. Okay, you just don't like I just don't like him as a person. Because he's getting in there guy. and fucking things up. Okay, we have talked about, from the Cardassian end of things, that things are starting to get more like DS9. Mm -hmm. The big thing about DS9 was conflict. We're no longer in Gene's perfect world and everyone's holding hands. Now there's people who don't like each other and there's people fighting. This is really the first time we've seen that on the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. I think part of it might be you guys are reacting to, we've had six years of everyone holding hands and now suddenly there's a guy who doesn't do that and you're like, whoa, whoa, this isn't right. But really they're starting to tell stories with actual conflict, which is what they call drama. I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that's not why. The... Okay, that's fair. But that's what I think the point of this character is, is to say, wait a minute, okay, Gene's dead, long live the king of good writing, mm -hmm. uh, Ron Moore. Um, <laughs> there are lots of other good writers. I uh, no, my problem with him isn't that he, you know, that he ha he's a jerk. I mean, it is, but that's but not I my think, primary concern. I think they're concern. bringing in a character who actually creates some conflict, mm -hmm. and the existing characters couldn't do that. Yeah. Unless you did something to make them hate each other, which would be bad. <laughs> This is what you do. You bring in a guy to, to stir shit up to say, what the hell do you do here? And to make everyone hate him. Like, that was the point. Mm -hmm. No, and in that, if that's the case, then they did it really well. Mm -hmm. But like the Cardassians, I think he's written believably with a valid viewpoint and a valid... Like, his motive is to, you know, as he unfortunately says, get it done. <laughs> but really, he's all about the mission. And no, he doesn't care about his, his the personalities or the to get to know his senior stuff. He doesn't have to. Yeah, you kind of do. If you're yeah, working not, with the same people all day. Not every, every day. leader cares about that. Okay, yeah, but it, in in a ship in a bottle, <laughs> <laughs> like they're all on the same ship. They still have to like see each other after hours, and they mm. they have to be in meetings together and. If you foster a work environment that is hostile because your supreme leader doesn't give a shit about anybody's personal lives, you're going to have a bad leader. Nobody's going to be going exactly what Riker said. No one's going to go out of their way to do something nice for him. It's going to be all military all the time, and then, then well, all your people are just trying to get their job done, and they're not happy with their lives. Yeah. You're, you're hitting on a very key point, which is, if you think about it too much, this episode starts to break down a little bit, which is... The line between the military and the other stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is this a military ship or is it an exploration ship? And yeah, it's supposed to be both. But the thing is, the Enterprise is primarily supposed to be an exploration That's ship. It's exploration first. Yeah. It's exploration first. It's defensive second. Right. And but for some reason, they decide that it's not that it's going to be the flagship, and that means it's in charge of any war they have to go be in. Which, on the one hand, it is the flagship. Yeah. And if you have a war effort, the flagship should probably be out there. Yes. But my understanding from the pilot was that's why you separate the saucer section. You have mm -hmm. the battle bridge, you have the part that fights, and you have the part with the civilians. Yeah. You send the civilians off to safety, and then you fight. But they're just flying around with 
500 civilians aboard and that yeah. doesn't make a lick of sense to me no i mean that's the problem with starfleet it, ha it it at this point it does not have a defensive military and that's it the problem with gene's like whole concept of this show yeah well you... that's my problem that's one of my many problems with gene and that's why when we get a new start and they say these people don't like each other there's mm -hmm. wars happening all the time that that's why we like it better because it doesn't feel as contrived yeah but that said we, I mean, the war stuff, we just accept it. Sometimes there's there's war stuff, and it, it's a hard line to walk, and sometimes they do it better than others. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. You've done... Uh, what about your good thing? Uh, so, the, I like the scene where uh, David Warner goes into his long speech about how he was a poor, hungry Dickensian urchin who fought for everything, and Picard takes it and spins him around to say that he's just a six-year-old bully. I love the... If I had been doing... If I had had a quote, mine would have been the, uh, despite everything you've done to me, I still find you a pitiful, a pitiable man. Mm-hmm. At this exact moment when the torture stops being about Starfleet information and starts being about uh, David Warner trying to break Picard, and I could watch that forever. I think... I had a problem with this I was talking about when we watched the episode. It seemed too suddenly taking the wind out of this guy's sails, and the problem is we've only seen Picard tortured for about ten minutes, mm. and suddenly this guy's no longer a villain. Now he's this pitiable man. I think, and I don't know how I would have fixed that. He's still a villain because he's like being naughty. Yeah, but, but... now we <laughs> see him the same way Picard sees him as the sad guy who's trying to compensate. But I don't know. That's what I happens like... when you confront most bullies. Yeah, but it happened too quickly for me, and I don't know how I would fix that. Well, there was still like a power struggle between them for the when they were doing the torture, so I didn't find it quite as jarring. Mm. Like the whole time he's trying to break him, and then when he gives him an in, like we're, we didn't see every moment that these two spent together. Well, so. that's it. If we implied that it had been going on for a month, yeah, then that yeah. might have been better for me. I just I don't like that Picard almost immediately fixated on his like zoomed in on his his weakness. It feels like I don't like Cardassians to be that weak. I feel mm. like you need to, like, Gul Dukat, we didn't know about his weaknesses until, like, season three or something. Yeah. But well, again, we don't have, have one the time. Episode. Yeah, we don't have the time. So I don't know yeah. how I would have fixed that. And ultimately, dramatically, you're right, Matt. It is pretty powerful. Yeah. And it's nice to see this battle of wills where, yeah, this guy's trying to break him, but then Picard tries to get in his head, too. Mm -hmm. No, I just love, it's it, it's clearly his sort of, like, well, this is, this is going to be my, uh, uh, this is going to be part of the carrot. I'm going to let myself... You know, yeah. I'm going to teach him a little bit about myself. I want to make me, I want to make myself a more sympathetic character or a person to him. Yeah, but see, on the other hand, I would have lied to him. I would have just fed him disinformation. You don't like think about Garrick. Mm -hmm. Would mm -hmm. he? Would he have told someone so much about himself? Oh, of course not. But Garrick is a better. You but know. that's how we think of Cardassians. We think of them as as sort of the strong, you know, iron fist guys like Galdukata. We think of them as super sneaky, get inside your head guys like like uh, Garrick. Nah. Uh -huh. And I was hoping this guy would be the latter, where, yeah, I'm going to tell you something about myself, but it's not about myself at all. I like the uh, I like the theory we sort of came up with halfway through this, where he's uh, he's like a he's actually very low on the yeah he's a order. sad bureaucrat, and we get yeah. a, we get a look at that as they've ordered him to release Picard. He goes back in one more time to do the lights thing, and then they come in and it's like, Golmaset, what the fuck? We told you to put his pants on. Yeah, get him out of here, and you get the idea that. He's just this low-ranking guy, and the other guy is like, ugh, this fucking torture guy. Jesus. <laughs> we told you. I, I like the idea in their society that the torturer is not that big a deal. No. They're just so hardcore that a torturer is just like a low-level civil servant. That or it's such an important part of Cardassian life that they can just have anyone do it. Well, I mean, he brings, he, he, there's bring his daughter to work day. Yeah, yeah clearly. <laughs> at the torture chamber. Yep. What's your hobby? Oh, I dabble in torture. Yeah. 
No, no, that's my. I don't bring my work home, <laughs> but I do bring my breakfast to work. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> that was like that was one of the. I, 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 you know, my first thought when I was watching this through the first time was they should have brought this guy back for DS Nine. He would have oh, fit in perfectly. Yeah. And then I thought, nah, we got enough. We're, yeah, we're good. We we got enough kick-ass Cardassians over there. We did. I almost feel like this was a backdoor pilot. Like, I know DS9 was launching at this point. <coughs> it feels like they gave us a lot of, and it didn't feel clumsy, but a lot of exposition. Here's mm. the Cardassians. They're evil. Now go watch them over here. <laughs> did you like that? Well, yeah. have I got a deal for you. But if, even ignoring that, the fact that, as we said, suddenly we have this fully fleshed out, awesome, evil villain. In two episodes. Like, last time they were cool, but they went away for two or three years, whatever. And Matt, you you uh, out, well, actually, me last time. It's season four. So, yeah. two <laughs> years. And they're back, and suddenly they're perfect. They're just like, this is amazing. Why didn't the show do this before? <laughs> and it's just like, this is this is how it's done. And it's a personal story. It's not all about the fighting. It's yeah. so... I mean, once again, newsflash, Patrick Stewart is great. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to take anything away from uh, the TNG par portion of this show, yeah. it's that. Yeah. We love Bones. That's what we learned about in the original series. Yep. And Patrick Stewart is a good actor. Maybe not quite the revelation that uh, We Love Bones was. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's the thing is, sometimes you hear that about people. Yeah, okay, he's British and he talks loud. That means he's a good actor. No. Yep. Sometimes people think that. They think, oh, he does Shakespeare. That, might, that means he must Shakespeare. be good. No, not necessarily. I had to restrain myself from making Captain Picard as a good actor my good thing. Well, what, uh, oh, you told me your good thing. What's it's your, usually what? a pretty good out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so when I pick every time, I'm desperate. Yeah. There, there's a couple of things we haven't officially ruled out, but I think Matt and I agree that saying Troy is the bad thing every week is kind of getting to be a cop-out. Saying <laughs> Patrick Stewart's a good actor every week. Like, you gotta, the whole point of the good thing, bad thing is to find something yeah. to like or to dislike, you know, in an episode. Uh, what was your bad thing, Kim? Well, I had a hard time finding a bad thing in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> this might be considered a cop-out, but when uh, Go Madrid, uh, I didn't realize we were on a first-name, real-name basis with David Warner. Oh, right, I it's Madrid. Masset is the, is the captain on the, right. on the Enterprise. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> when David Warner strips Picard nude, he, there's a scar on his chest. And anybody that knows Picard is obviously aware that he was stabbed in the heart when he was younger and has an artificial one. And I, and Amanda was watching it with us, she also did the same thing. We were both like, oh, is that the scar where he had his artificial heart put in? But no, it was a plot point, and the Cardassians stuck a doohickey in him so he could get pain zapped, and that's way less cool. Okay, he got his heart put in 30 years ago. Yeah, back Beverly... before they invented the scar disappearing technology. But since <laughs> then, Beverly has the scar disappearing thing. <laughs> so there's no reason. No, I mean I understand what you're saying. He could have kept it because he's super badass. I do. Yes, chicks dig scars. Well, yep. that's true. Oh yeah, like he needs to impress them with his scar. He can impress them with his looking at him and saying, "Look at me, I'm a fucking badass." <laughs> oh hello, I didn't see you over there. Yeah. Flex. I mean, flex. the fact that the <laughs> fact that he's, like I said, flopping around on the floor, looking like he's shitting himself, and he's still somehow dignified and kind of scary, is super impressive. He's still a badass when he's yep. wriggling around on the floor, going, rah, 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 you know, <laughs> it's amazing. That that scene right at the end when he uh, when he finally gets to leave and he just sort of shoves the two Cardassian guards out of yeah, the way and need to do out of the room. Yeah. Don't touch me. Yeah. And it's he's fucking awesome. shambling away like an old man, but somehow it's still... And a lesser actor, because that's when he, he finally just says, No! There yeah. are four lights, you motherfucker! And then he 
he shuffled like a lesser actor would square his shoulders, walk away, like, yeah, I showed him. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart's like, no, I've been tortured. I'm still weak. Yeah. That was my <laughs> like, moment of strength, and now I go back to being weak. Somehow he managed to crawl away victoriously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is extra great. Apparently, Patrick Stewart is a big supporter of Amnesty International. I don't know if he asked for this episode to be written or if he just really got behind it, but it was a big deal for him because that's one of his causes, and I thought that was extra mm -hmm. great. Um, my bad thing, and then we sort of need to move on here. Uh, Riker, there's a scene between Gulmaset, who was actually the guy up on the ship, like I said, not David Warner, uh, and, and Jellico are having this whole deal, and, uh, Gulmaset says, well, we have your guy, Captain Picard, and Riker just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, where is that famous poker face we keep hearing about? Yeah, that, what that really fuck? pissed me off. You stole my, my dad? dad. Yeah. <laughs> my dad? That's not uh, cool. But you, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Riker. You're you're better. You, we know you're better than this. You're famous for being, apart from Data, the most unflappable, completely hardest to read guy on the ship. What yeah. did you just do? Uh, All right. Any final points, you two? Um, let's quick run through my notes here. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, anything? Anything oh. you must say? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. All right. Yes. Uh, no. no, we can move on. Very well. Let's move on to my episode. I call it Ship in a Bottle. Actually, they call it that. I call it oh. the right title because I'm respectful of the show. <laughs> the Enterprise is, well, they're still not seeking out new life and new civilizations. But they aren't being a fire truck, so I suppose that's a start. They're watching two planets touch butts, which will then result in some kind of goddamn techno... Oh, it's a star. Just a star. Carry on. Meanwhile, Data's playing holodeck and gets all pouty when his infinitely fascinating, endlessly tedious Sherlock Holmes speech ends up being wrong and the criminal, or as he's called in the credits, gentleman, <laughs> catches something with the wrong hand and therefore Data's stupid Sherlock speech is actually wrong. I wish this happened to the actual Sherlock Moore so he'd shut up his stupid exposition hole. <laughs> Jordy and Data are disturbed by this as clearly left-handedness is a freakish computer malfunction. So they call an engineer to look at the problem, and since they're both apparently drunk, high, and experiencing severe head trauma, the guy they call is Barkley! The guy who would literally fuck the actual holodeck if it had the right port, <laughs> which he stayed up late at night trying to build. Barkley opens a folder labeled Pre-Season 3 Plots Do Not Open, and naturally opens it. There he finds an unresolved Season 2 plot point and mutters to himself, well, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> Inner Professor Moriarty, the most brilliant fictional villain ever to appear in one story. Apparently he was experiencing the passage of time in that folder, which is kind of horrifying. I don't want to know what my saved games get up to when I'm not around. Presumably they talk about how I abandoned them. So Moriarty demands to see the captain, demands that it be allowed off the holodeck, then demands his way off the holodeck somehow. But Picard and Data eventually work out that Moriarty has created a holodeck within the holodeck, and has subsequently tricked Picard into revealing his password. I'm still amazed Moriarty managed to get through the second layer of security, given that they didn't have CAPTCHA technology in the stupid ages where he's from. Mm -hmm. So the only way Picard can escape the holodeck within a holodeck is to create a holodeck within a holodeck within a holodeck. <laughs> I should point out that Barclay completely disappears while all this is happening, presumably because the prospect of infinitely recursive holodecks has caused him to pass out from the 30 orgasms in a row it gave him. <laughs> <laughs> then they save Moriarty in a protected file because that worked out so well last time. He probably showed up again in one of those Teeter David novels where he became a captain, or maybe in that allegedly hilarious TNG Season 8 Twitter account and an allegedly hilarious tweet along the lines of, Worf eats a sandwich. Moriarty stubs his toe. High comedy! 
I guess I got a little off track there. Worf doesn't actually eat a sandwich at all, as far as I know. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't mad at the episode, so I had to be mad at something. And I don't think that Twitter <laughs> account is very funny. And at the end, I was desperate. Yeah, but it's hard. This is one that I... And Matt, in your, in your notes, you said, I'm bored. And then I asked you, and like, no, I'm wrong. I'm yeah. not bored. <laughs> it wasn't boring. I love this one. I This is, I think, the only time, if not all of Star Trek, at least Next Gen, did an actual mind fuck. Mm-hmm. And the first time I watched it, it worked. Yeah, back in. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sitting here watching this with Kim, and I said, "Well, they're on the holodeck." She's like, what? "I haven't seen what? I haven't seen this." <laughs> you told me you'd watch the episode. I guess you'd only watched Chain of Command so far. Yeah. I thought you had recently seen it, so I didn't think I was spoiling anything. Like, oh fuck, sorry. <laughs> Way to ruin it, ruiner. I was totally into it too. <laughs> that first time you find out is like, wow, that's cool. And then when you find out how Picard fixes it, you're like, oh my god, that's so cool. Also, they hadn't fed it to me in the right order when you when you told me. Oh about no, that. it was, I was yeah, I would have totally fucked you up even more. The whole time I was like, yeah. "Well, is this in the? Ho- when did I'm they get sorry. it? Where am I? I, don't, I feel so bad about that. What holodeck is this? <laughs> but it does like if you watch it in order without some jerk sitting there telling you what's happening before you're supposed to know. They actually feed you this fairly complex thing in a way that your average TV viewer could could buy, which yeah. I think is cool. But they don't do a lot of mind fuck. They try and fail. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Matt says with horror, where they're uh, where they're not always great at it. But here, no. it was fantastic. It was fantastic, wasn't it? I think. Uh, well, Kim, yes. why don't you why don't you tell us your good thing? Because that's about what I was going to say, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, Moriarty's a delightful villain, and the Countess Vagina Bartholomew, <laughs> despite the fact that she doesn't actually exist in the whole Sherlock Holmes book, no, she's still super great. And yay for a good supporting cast that doesn't have a dumb slap on a line and a squiggle alien makeup, and they can also act worth a damn. Well, and that's the thing. I think Moriarty might be the only, like, guest star from pre-season three that was worth bringing back, because the caliber of actor they had prior to that was not very good. Not so much, no. But that guy was totally worth going back for. He is fantastic. Also, like, the, the usually the supporting cast that they just put in this silly Victorian-era suit, they're yeah. usually like, this is a holodeck person. They're going to have that quality of a holodeck person. Yeah. But, yeah, his self-awareness, the way he plays, he's so clearly written evil. Yeah. He's not, he can't be good because he's written as a villain. Well, yeah, he was <laughs> created to be evil. Right, and he's created to be an evil genius who could face off against an allegedly great character that I hate. Mm-hmm. He's so clearly evil that Captain Picard has to remind oh, him not to do like crime ten, eight times. Every don't. time they're in a new scene, he's like, ah, don't you do any crime. Are you thinking of crime, Moriarty? Because we don't allow that in the future. What? No. <laughs> like, I that, love that he literally says that. That leads nicely into my quote, which is as soon as he leaves the holodeck and they escort him with security, he, he glances at them and says this. Professor, will you come with me? I'd like our doctor to examine you. Certainly, sir. Policeman. I'd recognize them in any century. <laughs> Which I love. He just, he knows. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, this is not the first time I've been ex- I've been escorted somewhere. Right. <laughs> it's it's just fantastic. And you're right. He doesn't come off his mustache twirly because he could totally go over the top. Mustache but he, twirly. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> but he also doesn't play it too subtle where he's uh-huh. a real guy that you're supposed to be sympathetic with. He's evil. Yep. He's supposed to be evil, and you buy that, but he's also sort of sympathetic at the same time, which I like. Because he's really cool. Yeah, he is. And I hate Victorian England, and I think Mm -hmm. he's cool. Listen, I hate everything, okay? Well, he's not in Victorian England, so what's the problem? Yeah, he is. No, he's he's in the 20-whatever century we are in. But he lives in a drawing room with (laughs) Mistress Vagina. (laughs) 
Uh, vagina, Countess Vagina Fantastico. Oh, Thank oh you. I'm sorry. Countess Vagina? Yes, yes. And they even sort of say their R's like vagina. Like, <laughs> like you would say robotham. Like it still sounds right. So not Regina. Right. Regina. And yeah, it's, uh, but she is great. You're right. Yeah, she is. And she could be another sort of soap opera caliber. Like, well, he's the villain. Who cares about her? Yeah. But no, she's actually fairly uh, sympathetic as well, which mm -hmm. is cool. And kind of adorable. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I want you to get off of that holodeck, you. Yeah. I still think that uh, putting them in a box and sending them on their way is basically what they did last time. Yeah. It worked really <laughs> well, I mean, as long as no one opens it that time. Now yeah. Barkley has it and he knows not to. Well, and you mentioned that uh, there must be a screen there that he can watch them just boning <laughs> in the shuttle. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, that's it. We'll, we'll work it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wanted um, the Countess to actually get off of the holodeck because... She is a character who is excited about being able to wear pants, unlike Dana yeah. Troy, who is desperate to get out of them. Ah, that leads nicely into my bad thing, which is once we get out of the nesting holodecks back into the real world, we're in the conference room where the, it's basically the accusing parlor scene, and they explain everything and wrap it all up. Yeah. The the interesting thing, putting aside, I'm 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 exaggerating my dislike of of Sherlock Holmes, obviously for comedic effect. I don't. I'm fairly indifferent to it, to be honest with you. But I do actually appreciate and like the fact that Picard's whole story here is presented like a Sherlock Holmes story. Hmm. He's being outsmarted. He realizes he's being outsmarted through deductive reasoning. He then outsmarts the villain. At the end, he returns back and explains it to everyone. It's It feels like, in a way, it feels like a Sherlock Holmes story, and I think that's, that's kind of a cool, cool. meta I never thing. noticed that. Yeah. There's a lot of nice little meta things going on in this. Yeah. it's There's also a great... Um, is that my good thing? Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, the, I love that we follow up on something the show does too often, which is ignore something cool. Oh, yeah, we'll get back to that. That's another kind of meta <laughs> yeah. thing they do, where it's like, yeah, we ended the episode with, well, we'll figure you out and we'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Four years later, nope, they just completely forgot about me. I mean, like, you know, the fact that he's still on the Enterprise is a pretty obvious... Yeah, they've stopped at a lot of star bases. They could have given it over to some scientists and said, yeah, Look, he, we have this like, fucked up thing. What, what, what? Like, they, they, they mentioned that, you know, they talked to, you know, they've got They're Starfleet top scientists. guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Top but I mean, men. like, if he's still on the Enterprise, clearly they aren't, they're not trying that hard to figure out what happened to him. No, like I said, they've stopped a bunch of times at places that could help. Mm -hmm. And they just haven't. Well, maybe they're just keeping the backup file on the Enterprise still, and they've sent it off to other places. So there's another Moriarty... Somewhere else at an institute somewhere being studied who's doing exactly the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to go out and build an army? Yeah, of Moriarty. <laughs> well, he doesn't know that he's in a whole bunch of different places. No, but eventually, because his personality would probably give him a shuttle, go to the same place. There's and that Peter David book you were talking about. Probably, <laughs> I kind of wonder, and I don't know if they ever say this, we'll find out when we get to Voyager, if they use what they learn about Moriarty to make the uh, emergency medical hologram. I actually looked that up. Uh -huh. Did they? Um, I don't think that's what it was. That they, they, where they got the the hollow emitter from was mm -hmm. um, the future. Oh, oh. damn it! <laughs> See, I thought it would be cool if they studied self-aware holograms and said it would be cool to have a doctor that can't die and who has a decent bedside manner. So we need to give him, you know, some self-awareness. And so they applied whatever happened to Moriarty to, you know, what I mean, like that would be kind of a cool way to think it out. Yeah. But no. But no. No. What? what I'm not here to, to criticize another show. We're going to have about two years to do that. Uh-huh. But no, really, I like the way that, that it sort of comments on the fact that, I mean, Kirk left so many planets. Like, well, you got your problems. So long. 
And Picard does that not as often, but he does it sometimes. And it's yeah. nice to say, I mean, wait that's, a minute. It's, you know, that's going to happen with a non-serialized television show. Yeah, but it's nice that the writers are now aware of that. And between last week, where they say, let's let's put some conflict in here, and this week, where they say, let's follow up on some threads we left dangling, uh-huh. it's a nice, it's a nice uh, Kim, don't giggle when I say dangling. <laughs> um, but And then my bad thing that I mentioned a minute ago is, yeah, we get back, we're outside all the, the layers of holodeck, and Troy's right back in her stupid red non-uniform. What see, did we tell you? See, that no. was supposed to be one of the things they put in to make, like, they were, they were apparently put in a couple of hints that, you know, the the world they were in wasn't real. Uh-huh. And one of them was that, uh, you know, she's wearing one uniform, and then when they get out of the holodeck, she's wearing another uniform. The problem is, they should have switched them around. Yeah. That's just too subtle. She should have been know. wearing the red in the, uh, in yeah. the holodeck. Yeah. Maybe the holodeck was not made aware that Troy now wears pants and was still using Troy version 7.2. Yeah, Barclay's old version. She's lu- they're lucky she didn't show up naked. As the, <laughs> as the goddess of empathy. Yes. Maybe they at least locked that out. Because really, honestly, yeah. letting Barclay near the holodeck... I mean, Matt, you were saying they needed someone who wasn't there in season two. Yeah, that was their justification in uh, on Memory Alpha. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. You need a yeah. guy who's... Who doesn't know to be afraid of the file marked marked Moriarty do not open, he's right. alive. Yeah. They really should have put that file somewhere else. Or at least put a uh, password on it. They put a password yeah. on everything else in this episode. Yeah. That's true. And the password is always Picard123 or Moriarty yes. ABC or something like that. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't put your name in your password. Maybe it should have a special character, an uppercase letter. <laughs> Please, if it's not Picard123, it's Renee456. Well, that's true. <laughs> Well, they are the same person as we learned in Rascals. It's true. Uh. I but overall, in general, I liked the idea. Like there was there was a few layers of meta going on here, and I love me some meta. Yep. <laughs> I uh, confuse Matt. easily. <laughs> no, you don't. When you sit and pay attention, you don't confuse at all. When someone's telling you what's happening next, <laughs> that's different. Uh, Matt, what about you? Good thing. Uh, mine is actually the meta the meta ness of the episode. I like the reveal of the holodeck in the holodeck. You know. Oh, that, sort of, the it's reaction, a, it's... the moment where they go, oh my god. And I love fucking, uh, I love fucking hologram Jordy. He's just like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, because he's, like, all three of them, uh, Jordy, Picard, and Data, are throwing ideas around. Maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And once Picard and Data realize they're the only real ones, Jordy just kind of slinks up yeah. into the corner and I, is quiet. I love, well, they wait, Cap- to go away. Wait, <laughs> Captain, does this mean that, w- you mean that all three of us are holograms? No, just you. Oh. <laughs> Oh, walk well, then, away, Jordy. But walk the way away. Le, the way Levar oh. Burton plays it, he just sort of stands there looking at them, almost sad but not quite. Just yep. I'd I like don't... to join in, <laughs> but I guess it doesn't matter. I, what am I supposed to do? And then he goes off to his uh, his computer generated quarters to think about his life. Yeah, or as you said, hitting his head against the wall and saying, "LaForge here, LaForge here." <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is great. The actual reveal yep. is fantastic. Uh, of of course, the thing is, when that happens, Barkley just goes away. Yeah, he kind of vanishes for an he act and a half. already away. I, and then you run into, and I'm not going to fixate on this. I don't care. The holodeck is a fun thing when they do it right, and this is one of the times they do it right. But really, where is Barkley? They're in a room that's 20 feet by 20 feet or whatever. <laughs> he's just right over there, but somehow he's just gone. I don't know. You're it saying, doesn't matter. The same in the episode, once they realize what was happening, and Picard goes, yeah. where's Mr. Barkley? Well, Mr. Barkley! Yeah. I'm over here! Right. <laughs> or he's created a duplicate count, Countess Vagina, and he's off. Yep. Having well, he did adventure. seem rather fond of her. Yeah. <laughs> hem, hem. <laughs> uh, it was really cute when they were talking together, because he's like, oh, man. 
and and the thing is, this is while it's not a Barkley centric episode, this is one of the like I like the original one where he's the the fuck up holodeck guy, and I like this one because, like I've been saying about Barkley, whenever they bring him back, usually it's like he, now he has transportophobia. Yep. Now he's a spider. Yep. <laughs> it's it's always the wacky guy that crazy stuff happens to. This time he's just an engineer, and I like that. Yeah. Sometimes they should do stories where he's just doing his job. Yeah. And that's cool. I like that's they're using him the way they should use him, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the character. I mean, I had my problems with him last time. For the, for the mm-hmm. most uh, most of the time, I do like seeing him. I yeah. think you more had the problems with with the writing. It was a really bad episode. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Uh, Transporter Monsters. Yeah. I forget what its Futile. stupid, sinister name actually was. Realm of Fear. Oh, yeah. Realm of Fear, boogity boogity. Eye of Fear. Uh, Realm of the Beholder. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kim, bad thing. Tell me. <laughs> uh, okay. So, when the when the program fucks up on the holodeck, shouldn't, like, somebody half disappear or get all yeah. melty or do a pixelated computer glitch? That was just so strange that the, the malfunction that they picked was that it changes the dominant hand of the character that they're interacting with. That's just totally weird. I agree. On the other hand, it does set up the nice Sherlock Holmes reveal that they set up before. Yeah, but that's like super contrived. It is. It is contrived. Oh, well, we'll take this thing and then it'll happen again and that's how they know. But the whole thing was that, you know, Data says, well, but you're a left-handed man and he throws it at the the gentleman, which is his name. (laughs) Yeah. Gentleman. You can tell because he's floating off the ground and he's quiet and he's got a terrifying face and he's got a guy in a straitjacket running around by him. Uh huh. Um, and he catches it with the wrong hand and then later Data throws something at Jordy. Like I said, it's that whole meta Sherlock Holmes thing. And you're right, that part of it was contrived. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll grant you that. But I will grant you with my powers of granting. <laughs> because it matters that I say you're right. Yep. It's... It is a little contrived, but I do like, again, I like that they're basically acting out a Sherlock Holmes story mm-hmm. as they're figuring all this out. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not as good, but Which overall... Which one was Sherlock, Captain Picard or Data? Uh, I don't know. Data did the actual deducing, as he said. Deducting? Yes. Deducing? Deducing? I think it's deducing. Deduction? He used a deduction. Yes. He even says that. He watched, um, he watched Jordy use the pad with the wrong hand and then right. he'd screw a doohickey at him right yep and the the big thing was that the transporter couldn't didn't have a record of this new thing they did because the holodeck is like well you've never done that what do i do yeah uh-huh. <laughs> which i thought was kind of cool that's clever too yeah it can't invent new information it has to base it on stuff you've already done mm-hmm. yeah which is neat I'll, like a computer it although can only do what it's told on the other hand Jordy <laughs> did try a bunch of theoretical stuff in there that was the point mm. i don't it doesn't matter Overthinking. Well, makes I mean, it less if good. if Jordy's a like part of the computer simulation, then how do we know he's actually doing any theoretical stuff that actually works? <laughs> no, I'm just saying in, a, buttons. in yeah. a different episode. <laughs> I'm talking about. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, in uh, the one where he's trying to figure out where he gets fakely abrams. The oh, whole point yeah, is he okay, goes okay. to the holodeck right. and creates these simulations that they've never done before, so he doesn't put the ship in danger while he figures it out. Right. So the holodeck is capable of simulating a thing that hasn't happened. Is my point. Mm. It doesn't matter. Again, I we're not those guys. We're not the unravel the logic to ruin a good story guys. That's right. probably every other Star Trek podcast. Speaking of unraveling the logic of the episode, this is my yes. bad thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if Moriarty's controlling the holodeck simulation and he eavesdrops on Picard giving the command code, how does he not know that Picard and Data have figured out that they're still on the holodeck? That seems important to me. Because he has to make them know. 
The point is oh, he's, that's right. he's leading them into knowing so that then Picard will say his code to get them off and then Moriarty has the code. No, I thought about this especially the second time. I was watching Moriarty's plan, uh-huh. and it works really well if you, if you examine it. Everything he's leading them to helps him. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the Countess was to say, I'm giving you this character who really didn't even exist. I made her up, mm-hmm. as uh-huh. far as I know, or she was made for the holiday. I don't know. Once you figure out how to get her off, then I can go to the real Enterprise and say, this is what Data and Picard figured out. Now do it to me. That's well, fucking that's clever. Well, that's how they tricked him into right. tricking himself. Right. But it's <laughs> also, but originally his plan was to get them to work out the theoretical part of it, then go to the real Enterprise and say, now do this, because that's what the smart guys say. Yeah. Which is cool. And he tricked Picard into realizing he's on the holodeck and giving the codes, which didn't work. And then Moriarty's like, ha-ha, I got the codes. The game is afoot is apparently a thing they say. Yes. <laughs> So I mean I I I see your point, Matt. Uh-huh. But I, th- I also think when we watched it the second time, you're like, shit. Oh yeah. Eh. There must be other things though. This is not a perfect episode. It's quite good. Yes. Mm-hmm. So quick, think of another one. No. All right then. Okay, I've got another one. Okay. <laughs> okay. My bad thing is whatever Kim says. Okay. <laughs> your bad thing is uh, at the end when they put them in a hamster cage and let mm. them spin on their wheels for all of eternity. In that giant thing that's the size of this room. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. The thing that will power it for 80 million years. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I don't understand how they expect them to be able to live out their lives in that cube when they can't possibly have it programmed for an entire lifetime to be lived out in the programming that's, in, that's within that cube. See, I think that's the point is it has way more memory in it than the holodeck does and it can simulate them going to planets. and. Uh, well, then why don't they use those instead of holodecks? Because you can't, not... people aren't tall, are too tall to get into one. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I think it's easy to give software a simulation and trick it. I don't think it's as easy to simulate reality for a person. It's Plus, so horrifying though, because he's self-aware, and then and they put yeah. him in a little box, and then like nobody even looked like they were like, "Oh wow, we had to do this." Yeah, They're it just is like, horrifying. Oh, this is the best possible outcome. We it, did such a great job. It, I could see why they think that, but you're right. He is self-aware. He can feel pain and feel sad and whatever and yeah that is horrifying picard actually acknowledges we've discovered a new life form yeah we put it in a box and put that box in another box yeah <laughs> and then give it to barkley yes the best guy to have it and he'll yep. put it on his shelf and there's a there's another not great thing for me is at the very end barkley looks at the camera basically and winks and says computer and program <laughs> get it <laughs> no because i buy him being the one who's just like oh my god i gotta check this one last time and by one last time, I mean I will check this at three in the morning every night for the rest of my life. Yep. This is why you like Barkley. I forget because he's like you. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's crazy. He's paranoid. And after you watched this episode, you probably looked up and said computer and program, didn't you? No, I'm not lucky enough to, to turn out to be living in Star Trek. <laughs> the thing is, the, no, you're in, a, you're in a simulated reality where you're watching Star Trek. Oh, man. <laughs> the thing is, this, this basic setup was done by The Matrix a few years later. And, it, you know, it's a good movie that most of us liked, but yeah. it's, it kind of takes away, knowing it now kind of takes away from how cool this episode was, because I saw it at the time, and I don't think I'd ever heard of this before. Now, granted, I hadn't seen every sci-fi movie, read every sci-fi book, but this was a new concept to me, that you had a simulated reality inside a reality. You know what I mean? Like, Sure. It, it's a cliche now, because The Matrix did it, and then a million movies copied The Matrix. But at this point, it was like, wow, that's a neat idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, any anything else? Any? Uh, let me just have a look at my notes here. I didn't take that many. 
No, it's I and didn't that's either. That's why I was surprised you were bored because usually when you don't take a lot of notes, it's because you're really fascinated by the episode. Yeah. Did I mention? I don't remember if I said this just to you guys or on the show. The the data's way better now. At home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That he completely gets it now. He's, he's not just he's playing along. He's yeah. playing the holodeck game. He's not he's not trying to figure out a mystery. He's, no, he's playing not, the game he, of it. He wasn't even figuring out a mystery. He was jumping to the oh well, this is obviously this book. Yeah, well that's what I mean. This like is when page he, when thirty. He got, so when he got put in before, he yeah. was like, oh, we're figuring out a mystery. Here's right. the answer. Yeah. yeah. Now he's like, oh no, we're playing a game. Yeah, and he yeah. gets that it's probably more for Jordy's benefit. Yeah. yeah. And Jordy's getting into it too. Like they're in character until it starts fucking up. And I like that. I like that. You don't it, say, Holmes. By Jove. Whenever they do something. <laughs> Now that focuses on data, the better writers show the data. Like, they give you some basis of comparison to show that data's better now than it used to be. And this is one of those times where you see in the last four years, he's kind of learned, oh, yeah, this is fun for the humans. If I could have fun, it would be fun for me, too. But let me yeah. at least pretend for their sake. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Maybe he's got robot fun, you know, like he has robot feelings. He doesn't have robot feelings. Yeah, he with does. The help he needs like, the pathways with the, with the familiarity. Oh, right, right, right. So you have to do the little head. Come on, do the little head tilt when you say that. There you go. <laughs> I didn't have the right words. <laughs> Certain pathways for no, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> and we we rehearsed that show so many times. Yeah, you think we would remember? <laughs> I don't remember last week. Was that the one where uh, where they shot Chekhov? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Any anything else? Either of you? I like uh, how they were talking all fancy like. What, all Victorian-y? Yeah, um, not just Moriarty and, and Vagina, but when Picard was talking to her, he <laughs> Oh, yeah, when he, he sits like, down and charms her, he totally it. gets into it. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I think you're a man who always gets what he wants. <laughs> well, and you're a like, woman well, of yes, great poise and blah 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 <laughs> And you see him get that little smirk, like, you don't see that side of Picard very often. And he's like, I'm woman. proper smart-talking. Mm. Yep. You're you a know, woman you know, of great poise and tight shirts. Yep. <laughs> Listen, did any of us have a problem with that? Nope. All right, then. Matt, any any further things to say? Uh, no. Very well. These are all of my thoughts. Well, I have more, but uh, it's about time for us to be leaving. <laughs> Kim, thank you. Thank you for coming yes. to my home, and thank you for being on our show. Thank you very much. I it, have a lovely time. It is always a delight. <laughs> uh, website, poststomachhorror.com. Uh, email address, poststomachhorror at gmail.com. I promise, app. I keep saying this. Volume 2 of the episode guide is coming soon, which will also be in the app that Matt just mentioned twice and thinks I didn't hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the app right now is in the iTunes store, and it is free. Uh, soon we will have Volume 2 content. It's written. I'm just very busy and haven't sent it to the printer. That's it. If, if you want to see it, maybe send us an email and say, get off your ass, Al. Time's get writing one right ass, now. Al. Yes. <laughs> I, it, that's it. I just I need to finish it. It's it's very hard being me, you guys. I gotta watch Star Trek and make jokes every week. <laughs> oh, muffin. I know. <laughs> Speaking of every week, next week. Uh, oh, oh, can I skip next week? Nope. Oh. Actually, I suppose you could. I don't want to do Aquiel and Face of the Enemy's okay, but I don't want to do Aquiel. <laughs> but our old pal Irish Gav will be here. Gav. We spaced it so that Gav was here way at the beginning of season five and in the middle of season six. We haven't talked to him in months. We miss him. Yes. So it'll be fun to have him back. And I think that's it. So, Matt, tell the folks what you will do to them. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. 
Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.